Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Cookies and milk. It is Christmas Eve, and welcome into another edition of the Finsider Radio. More importantly, the Jake and Josh So. And before we get rolling with Josh Hobbs and Matthew Canada, do us a little favor. Go hit that subscribe button. Give us that review. Hit us with those five stars. Say something nice about me. Something nice about Josh. If you want to make fun of Matt a little bit, that's perfectly fine by hit us. Hit it up. Hit <laughs> it up. And be sure to also. Follow us on Twitter. I, myself, am at jmendel94. Houts, as simple as that, H-O-U-T-Z. And Matt, you said it last time, and I don't remember it, so you're going to have to roll me in your Twitter one more time. At Kanata P-F-N. C-A-N-N-A-T-A-P-F-N. I can't believe and, you don't even know my Twitter. I mean, I've known you for, what, seven, eight years? You don't even know my to, username? This is. In his, in his defense, you change it all the time, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> I should probably just hang up the phone right now. You're the you're the girl on AIM where you have like seven different profiles for her. Uh, <laughs> in the day, I don't. I hope that's we're all in the same time frame of having uh, AIM, but but I could be a little too younger, a little too young. No, no, we we had AIM and we're much older than you, so just drop it. <laughs> he really did just he he really did just pop out the AIM just now. Yeah, and then he said maybe I'm too young. What the hell? <laughs> I, I didn't know if you guys even, you know, I didn't know if you were writing letters to each other. Uh, That's a soft answer. Alrighty, gentlemen. I'm, I'm not. Before this we begin. Already, this is already a disaster. Because let's this, just, this is real. Let's, let's just hang up. <laughs> Every, <laughs> Matt, I have to be honest. I think I did give you a shout out in uh, uh, today's Berkshire Eagle. By that, I mean your website. because I Did you? To, nice. I wrote, I wrote a column, and it was basically talking about how so real tomorrow is and how, you know, most people, most fans are going to be sitting back, oh, you know, I wonder who my team's going to pick with the 13th overall pick in the draft. Dude, the Dolphins are going to be a completely different team by, I don't know, how long the draft's going to go, how many hiccups. By, but by the time you go to bed tomorrow night, the Dolphins are going to be a brand-new spanking team. That's why we have Matt on the show. Let's get this energy up. Have you two over there get that sass out of here because we don't get a lot of opportunities to talk about sports. There is a huge dry spell after the draft in terms of football information until the season starts in September. And please, God, let that actually happen. So, boys, let's talk NFL draft. Joshua, how are you feeling after you just witnessed a brand new picture over the social medias? I mean, I feel like I kind of have all day, and that's just anxious and sick, and I don't – 
like it feels like when you're in school and you're getting ready to do a presentation that you feel kind of okay about, but you know you're going to go stand in front of you know 50 people maybe. I mean, I don't know that everyone's like this. Is it just Dolphin fans? Is it just me? I don't know if everyone feels this type of anxiety, but we've waited for this moment. We know that back when they traded Larry Tunsil away, they got those the, the war chest of picks, and they traded away Minka Fitzpatrick because he wasn't happy. The, this whole season was kind of leading up to this draft, and we continue to hear, you know, they like Tua Tungvaloa. They were getting this war chest of draft picks, and now we are about 24 hours away at this time tomorrow we will already know who the first round pick is and we'll be coming up to that number 18th pick and there's so much smoke going around and I continue to tell myself on the podcast I sit here and I continue to reiterate don't trust everything that comes out and with every new report I lose my mind so if I was going to tell you I was okay I'd be lying I'm an absolute mess I don't know how much I'll sleep tonight but a new picture came out with Jerry Judy and Tua Tungvaloa I believe they were playing uh Call of Duty War Warzone on uh on Twitter, on Instagram Live, they were playing Call of Duty together. He was wearing a Dolphins jacket. Twitter's blowing up right now. I mean, we saw that he was wearing Dolphins shoes when he met with Juju Schuster earlier in the offseason. I mean, I, I don't know what more to say, but we're almost here, folks. And no, I'm absolutely not okay. Matt, so some something I've you know kind of settled into is because it's been a whirlwind. It was two up for so long. And then maybe it's Herbert. Maybe it's an offensive tackle. Maybe it's Jordan Love. Who knows? I think I've settled on, if Tua's there at five, I want them to take it. However, I think I want them to have three first-round picks. I think I want them to get as much value as mathematically possible in this first round, especially after seeing the mock draft Houts and I did where we secured, I don't know if you uh, checked that out, but we had an, we got an offensive tackle. We got the center and Tua. All by saying, Pat, what are you hearing in terms of the Dolphins? Not necessarily what they're doing at five, because we can talk for hours and hours about that, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But just the general sense of moving around that first round, and if it's going to cost any other of those picks inside of the top 70 that are just going to be so damn valuable. So now the Dolphins can go two different ways is what I'm hearing. And Baller just floated around, and while everyone was pumping Justin Dolphins, I was saying, no, that's not actually true. It's really more about, about Jordan Love and Tua Tungvaluwa. This Pro Football Network had reported this back in uh, March or February at the NFL Scouting Combine when we had heard in the media room one afternoon, just randomly, uh, that the Dolphins actually liked Jordan Love over Justin Herbert. Um, because at the time, there were reports swirling that the Dolphins were targeting Herbert. And when we went into, you know, investigating that, I may have talked about this on the last time I was on the show here, but when we went into investigating that, it led us to Jordan Love. We weren't going in looking for Jordan Love, but it led us to Jordan Love. And, and you know, behind Tua Tungavailoa, we found out that really the Dolphins preferred Love over Herbert. So when all this nonsense started coming out uh, last week and the week beforehand, it, it just didn't add up. Um, it was clear it was some kind of smokescreen set up by the Dolphins to throw everyone off. And, and let's be clear about this. The Dolphins have done a phenomenal job of putting these smoke screens out there. And they have everybody guessing right now. And they're using their connections throughout the league and throughout the media to really drive it, right? You have a guy like Armando Salguero pumping the Justin Herbert train to Miami. You have another guy like Albert Breer saying that he's heard nothing about Tua to Miami. And you have guys like Jeff Darlington who maybe not be part of that smoke screen, but he's saying it'd be a surprise if the Dolphins did not pick Tua at five. And then you have other guys that, that pick up off each other and talk to each other and then spread from there. Even our own Tony Pauline, he's hearing Andrew Thomas, but he's also hearing Tua Tungavailoa. 
and all that adds up and then you start trying to piece all the puzzles together and no one knows what the Dolphins are going to do in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft on Thursday, April 23rd. Not a single person outside of that very tight circle, which is extremely tight, which is basically Brian Flores, Chris Greer. They actually may be the only two right now besides Steven Ross who knows who they're going to take with that fifth overall pick on Thursday night. Marvin Allen is running second to Chris Greer in this draft this year. I don't even know if he knows. So for anyone to say that they know exactly what's going on in Miami and who exactly they're targeting and who they're going to pick is dead wrong. So what we've been doing, what I've been doing, what other beat reporters are doing, what others have been doing around the media landscape is trying to piece these puzzles together, right? And all these dots have led me to believe that the Dolphins' first target on Thursday evening will be to a Tungo Vailoa. So I got there a few ways. One, I heard the other day and I texted how this, that I was led to believe the Dolphins did not fail to a Tungo Vailoa on his physical. And in fact, he was medically cleared by the organization. Miami Herald reported uh, this morning, Wednesday morning, that yes, in fact, the Dolphins did clear Tua Tungavailoa in his medical checkup. So that's off the board, right? You have that cleared out. Also heard that while the Dolphins do like Jordan Love, and again, I texted Houses and others this the other day too. I didn't go out with this right away. Dan Marino loves Jordan Love. He's been pushing very hard for him since January, maybe before January. So when the report came out the other day, I forgot who dropped it, that Dan Marino uh, likes, I think it may have been Breer on the Rich Eisen show or, or whatever. When, when Albert Breer said this, if it was him, he said that Dan Marino actually likes Justin Herbert. Uh-uh. Look at Albert Breer, right? He's, he's, front, he's a national media member, but he has Boston roots with the New England Patriots. Brian Flores came from the Patriots. There's other coaches in Miami who came from the New England Patriots. There are other staffers in Miami who came from the New England Patriots. This is an example of them using their media contacts to drive a misdirection. So when you reach out to an Albert Breer, when you reach out to an Armando Salguero, when you reach out to others and say, hey, here's what we're hearing, and they question you, and they may believe you at face value, they may question you, but they, they may say, well, I'm not going to report this. I don't know if it's really accurate. Listen, I'll give you a favor down the road. I will give you a scoop down the road that no one else is going to get that you'll be the first one to get. So I feel like this is one of those things with Justin Herbert, right? So from a medical point, Tua is all checked out with Miami, okay? Then you go to the evaluation point. I was told the other day that the Dolphins have a first-round grade on Tua. The Dolphins do not, from what I've been told, do not have a first-round grade on Jordan Love. They don't have a third-round grade on him, so you can kind of guess where that lies in the middle there, the second round, right? And so everyone's talking about Jordan Love being the quarterback. Sure, it might happen. There's still a chance they can pick an offensive tackle or an Isaiah Simmons at five and then use leverage to trade up for Jordan Love or even Tua if he starts the fall because I think the Chargers are going with Justin Herbert. So all that together may point you to Tua at five. But here's the thing. I've been told that Dolphins about Tua beyond his medicals. His medicals check out, but there are concerns. We know that his family is very overbearing, right, in terms of being very involved in the process, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. They want to do what's best for Tua. They want to have an influence on Tua, but it rubs people the wrong way within the NFL. Not everybody, but some. And it's rubbed people the wrong way in Miami. 
And that is one thing that they've been looking at. And as we record this, I am 99.9% sure they figured out who they want to target with number five. You don't go into really Thursday morning unless you're Kevin Costner in draft day and still trying to decide up until the minute of the draft who you're going to take, right? But that's something they had to work through. They had to work through the fact that coming from Hawaii to Alabama down to Miami, right? How is what is that going to look like for a celebrity status? You know, how is that person going to handle it? How is their whole family dynamic going to handle all of that? So they had to work through that. Um, but still, when you ask me if you can pass up on Tua at five, there is no way I see the Dolphins passing up on Tua at five. I was told yesterday it's a quarterback at five. It's not a fully reliable source. It's not one of my most trusted sources. But I've been told that it's a QB at five. Take that for what it is. I've been told there is a 0% chance it's Justin Herbert. So knowing that, Justin Herbert probably gets drafted at five. But if that happens, the Dolphins put off the most amazing smokescreen in NFL history. And we have to give them credit for that. But I've been told it's 0% chance uh, Herbert. uh, It was kind of a toss-up between Love and uh, Tua. Herbert had supporters in the building, but there were much more influential people supporting Love, including Dan Marino. But at the end of the day, if the Dolphins go with the quarterback at five, it looks like it's going to be Tua Tungavailoa. And I'd be shocked, absolutely stunned and floored if it is not Tua at five and if they pass up on Tua at five uh, to go with an offensive tackle or a um, safety or a linebacker like Isaiah Simmons. One last thing before we continue, and then I'll add more later on in the show. When you look at this offensive tackle trade-up, right, that was floated around today by certain members of the media, you have to look at the whole package here. So when you talk about the Dolphins moving up to the Lions at three, we know the Giants are most likely targeting an offensive tackle. Who that is, we don't know. Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills. Some people think that it's Andrew Thomas. So the Dolphins put out there that they're very interested in Andrew Thomas. They want to move up to three to jump ahead of the Giants. So now that gets the Giants thinking, and while everyone might say, well, we don't believe the smoke screen. Yeah, we don't believe it, but hey, here we are still talking about it like it's a possibility. You can't just totally discount it. So now the Giants get a little nervous, right? And they may be talking to the Chargers or somebody else about trading out of that four spot to go back a little bit. But if the Dolphins are talking like they want an offensive tackle, then the Giants may be more hesitant to not trade out of that spot, to stay there and get their tackle. That prohibits another team from coming up. And the Dolphins may know through their connection with Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, and others in that organization where they work together in New England, they may know the Lions don't really have any offers on the table or may not want to even trade out of that pick so they can get a Jeffrey Okada or a Derek Brown or an Isaiah Simmons. It also puts pressure on the Jets, guys like the Jets, guys like the Browns, guys like the Cardinals, who may want an offensive tackle. Now they might want to start moving up to the Lions or to the Giants. Right. And so now that creates that market and it just creates this whole system where that top 10 all starts to panic because now all of a sudden you have to worry about the possibility of the Dolphins trading up for an offensive tackle or the Dolphins taking the offensive tackle at five. And if the Jets or the Cardinals or the Browns or someone else trades up in front of Miami with the Lions, with the Giants, they're not trading out of that spot. And lo and behold, the Dolphins get to a tongue of Iloa without giving up anything extra it's a genius move on their part they play this very perfectly everyone is still guessing i guarantee there'll be more smoke screens on thursday throughout the day it's going to be absolutely amazing when the dolphins select to a tongue of with their fifth overall pick i'm done with my rant 
but I have a lot more. <laughs> not uh, not about two of though. I I have more. I have more later in the first round. But let's continue. That's actually what I'm really excited about. But but there's one thing I have to say, and you know, uh, every Dolphin fan might come you know come for me after saying this, but I'm not sold on Dan Marino liking someone and thinking that's the guy. You know, I kind of am staying away from that because, you know, I still remember Jason Taylor talking about Deion Jordan. I've seen nothing out of someone like Dan Marino that tells me this guy is who, you know, I will trust to have a quarterback. Yes, he was one of the greatest of all time. I mean, but but there is no track record there. So I don't know how that I feel about that. I mean, you can you know that voice says a lot in that war room. What Marino says, people are going to listen. But, I mean, I still think that, that you know, Tua at five is just making me so jacked. And, and, Josh, I want you to kind of, you know, shut your ass and think about this here before we move on to those other two picks. Because while, you know, getting the quarterback so, so important, those two picks can help, you know, change the franchise starting this year. Where Tua, maybe he takes half the year off in terms of Fitzpatrick starts. He still gets healthy. He learns the NFL level. But you see the Lions come up at number three. And you hear a trade come in, and we know there's going to be bumps in this road. When you hear a trade comes in involving the Miami Dolphins on a scale of 1 to 10, how terrified are you going to be? How, how, how are you going to cope with those 5 to 10 minutes? Because I need suggestions because I'm going to be absolutely terrified. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I really don't know how I'm going to feel, man, to be completely honest. And I'm sitting here and I keep hearing you both say Tua Tungvaluwa at five is a home run pick. But what if the Dolphins have to trade up? And that's just the scenario that keeps going through my head. This guy is light years better than Jordan Love. He's light years better than Justin Herbert. If he didn't suffer that season-ending hip injury, he might be going number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. And all we've heard for two years is how enamored by Tua Tungvaluwa, the Miami Dolphins, and Stephen Ross is. We know what he would do to, to ticket sales and jersey sales, and he would just bring an influx of just excitement to the Miami Dolphins franchise. So to me, I, I love how they have three first-round picks, but if you need to move up to three, you do it. And I think some of that, those rumors that came out today, you know, maybe it'd be great if the Dolphins could somehow get up to three and have pick five, but if they have to get up to three, and use pick five to do so to make sure they get their quarterback. You got to pull the trigger. And I think it was pro football focus today. Um, they went up there and they, they trade with the Washington Redskins and they took two at two. And I'm sure the price tag obviously is going to cost much more. And I can't even sit here and speculate what a trade would cost to move up from five to three. But two at in my opinion, is better than every quarterback in this class. So, yes, it'll be great to sit there and, and watch this entire smokescreen unfold. And, and like Matt said, the Dolphins want an offensive tackle. They're throwing out this signal that they're going to trade up for an offensive tackle. That has to shake up that entire 
top five, just like he said, and maybe the Giants don't want to trade down. Maybe the Lions want to stay put and get whatever guy they want, and it just has a domino effect on the draft. But I do not see a difference in two at three and two at five. I think that there's this stigma going around on Twitter, and people say, I would love to if he falls to five, but I want trade up for him. How does that make any damn sense? <laughs> if you like two at five, you like him at three, and you can give up a the tw- – I keep saying it might cost a 26th overall pick. I, I don't care. You know, you made these trades. You, you got rid of Laramie Tunsil because you wanted a quarterback. You know, I know it was a great it was great value, and we see what Bob's doing down there. Houston is completely tearing him apart, but you got that ammunition, as Chris Greer said, so you can do as you please in the draft. Tua Tungvaluwa would not be in this situation. They would not even have a chance at him, at five in my opinion, if things did not work out the way they did. This is going into the season, the best quarterback in college football. You pull the trigger, and if you got to move up to three, you do it. If if a trade comes up on my screen, like you like you suggested, Jake, and it says the Dolphins just traded up, and we hear the ding, 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 and they're getting ready to go up to the clock. All what I'm going to picture. Hear, what do we hear? What do we hear, uh, Josh? Let me do it again. Ding, 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 nice. ding, ding. Nice. And then and then <laughs> Roger Goodell comes up in his mom's basement with a third pick in the 2020 <laughs> NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins, and I'm just going to wait for his lips to move and say Andrew Thomas or something absolutely <laughs> absurd because that is the most it's Dolphins Brady thing Quinn in the entire. It's the most Dolphins thing in the entire world. So for me, I would be crapping bricks. I know this is a PG, a a kid-oriented podcast. I would be crapping bricks, uh, bricks worth to fill an entire uh, city. I don't know. But I would be losing my mind, and any pick other than two at three or five or wherever they have to trade up, it's not going to sit well for me. I know there's a bigger plan in place, and I'm going to trust Brian Flores because as we said on this podcast, as everyone said, Brian Flores did a hell of a job in, in year one. You got to trust that process. And if he thinks that Jordan loves the guy and he takes Dan Marino's advice or whatever it is, we all know Dan, uh, Jordan Love is a huge ceiling, a, a very high ceiling. And if he hits that potential, he could be maybe the best quarterback in this class. But I'm not risking it. I would go to a ton of a lot five. I'd trade up for two a ton of a lot three. Obviously, you're not giving up the war chest of draft picks, but you do whatever it takes. And I'm going to quote a movie I've never seen. I, I'm trying to watch tonight draft day to a ton of Iloa, no matter what. There should be no other pick with the Dolphins first pick than Tua. Don't now, overthink that, him. Don't overthink him. Exactly. That's my mindset. And the reason I keep saying I'd love to at five is because, simply put, I want to be greedy. You know, I want this. I would love to use all six picks in that first 70 because I think that would just be absolutely incredible for the depth, for the talent, for this team in general. And then you go into next year. And, and I, I assume there's going to be trades in that first 70, whether it's to get a couple fourth rounds and maybe some picks next year, whatever it may be. But, Matt, when we're looking outside of that, you know, fifth overall pick, I need to think of a nickname. I don't know if Pie, Pie Boy Matt works well, but <laughs> give me a percentage on the chances of moving out of 18, and then we'll get into the talk of 26. Because what I've seen, actually, which was a little surprising, is some mock drafts just having the Dolphins train from five to three. And you know what? There isn't a lot of competition for that pick, like the Lions have said, like the Giants have thought. You know, maybe the Chargers are totally set on Herbert. So, so I've even seen maybe it only takes 39 to move up those two spots. I don't know how true that is, but that's something else I've seen floated out. But before we get there, Matt, let's let's talk about that 18th pick. I mean, it's gotta you gotta be feeling offensive line, especially if one of those four tackles starts to slide. I am told with the 18th pick, right? So I'm told that. The Dolphins are looking at the positions with the later rounds, and this may be obvious. It may not be obvious. I don't know. They're looking at offensive tackle. They're looking at running back, and they're looking at a pass rusher. So I think all three are on the board. I don't think any of the big four are going to fall to 18. You know, Andrew Thomas and Mackay Becton, 
uh, the Jedrick Wills, and the Tristan Warps. I would be shocked if any of them fall to 18. So what I think will happen, AJ Epineza might be there at 18, but he's not, uh, you know, he's kind of F for me, right? Yatur Gross Matos might be there from Penn State. DeAndre Swift is most likely going to be there. Ezra Cleveland will be there. 18 is a little too rich for him. Isaiah Wilson, 18 is a little too rich for him. I believe that the 18th pick, if any of those big four tackles don't fall, and if the Dolphins don't pull up a trade-up for one of them, if they start falling, then I think the the uh, pick will be an Epineza, a Gross Matos, or a DeAndre Swift. I'm told that DeAndre Swift is receiving heavy consideration from the Dolphins for that 18th pick or the 26th pick but in a later part of first round. They also really, really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. And obviously, he's not going to be a first-round pick. He'd be more like an early third-round pick. But those are kind of the two running backs that I've heard a bunch on from the Dolphins. When you look at offensive tackles, right, keep your eye on Isaiah Wilson, okay? He is the guy to watch for Miami at the end of round one. The Dolphins like him a ton, and he would fill in nicely at the right tackle position. And, you know, if the Dolphins can walk away with a blindside protector for Tua, Tonga Bailoa, if that's the direction they go at five, then I think they're going to have themselves a very nice run. Of them. Then, then if they can add a DeAndre Swift there at 18, then that's very good. Also, another name for offensive tackle to keep your eye on is Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. The Dolphins like him a lot. They've spent time with him. And the fallback option, if they don't get any of those two guys, is Lucas Niang. The Dolphins have done a lot of work with Niang's reps, with his partners, and they have been, you know, digging into him quite a bit. So he is another guy to watch out for. And then, you know, I think the Dolphins just look at pass rushers throughout the rest of the draft, try to fill in those needs. But I think you're going to see an offensive line heavy draft. You're going to see a defensive line heavy draft. You need your safety as well. Watch for Xavier McKinney, Antoine Winfield in round two. Grant Delpit may drop and the Dolphins may be looking to get him there. But, uh, you know, I think it's easy to pinpoint what the Dolphins need. It's a little harder to pinpoint what players they are targeting. But that's what I'm hearing as of this point. Also, keep an eye on Alex Highsmith of Charlotte. In about the probably fourth round, late fourth round, early fifth round, Dolphins could grab him if they don't get the depth that they need earlier in the draft. How it's, what, what's your quick reaction? Just trying to digest all that with, with basically what we did the, the other night, hoping that one of those offensive tackles falls and, and kind of feeling like that makes the most sense for the Dolphins going that route. But, but also, to the surprise of, do, do they do they go with that flashy running back at 18? Is that a possibility? I would I'd like someone maybe farther in that second round, third round, especially after we did our mock draft. I mean, I think that was the one thing that stood out to me was was where that we picked a running back where we could have done things differently. But how do you feel hearing that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of not really that surprising because I forget who it was. I think it was Alfredo Artiega of three yards per carry. He once mentioned, you know, the only person that touches the football on the offense is more than the quarterback is a running back. And that, I mean, that just stuck with me. You need to have a guy. And I, I like Jordan Howard. I can't believe he's still 25. I think we talked about in another show. This dude feels like he's a 300 years old as much as he's been around the NFL, but he's still 25. And I think he can carry some of that load, but you need to get a young superstar in there. If the dolphins feel like Deandre Swift is that guy, I mean, I don't know if they take him at 18, but can you really risk waiting till 26? I think the biggest takeaway from this though, is we all are kind of, have one cohesive image of what the Dolphins need to come away with. And they definitely need a quarterback and hopefully it's Tua, and then they need to get an offensive tackle, someone to protect 
ideally is blindside, but I mean, you can get, you can make a case for either side because the Dolphins offensive line is dismal. So I think you got to get a quarterback and offensive tackle. And from there, it's kind of a toss up between the safety, the running back. Maybe they go edge rusher. I believe it was Cameron Wolf of ESPN. He did a mock draft. He took Austin Jackson at 18 and then he came back with AJ Epinesa at 26. I don't know if Epinesa will fall that far, but we know that Brett Yaris, uh, another pro football network, uh, owner and, and colleague there, he came out and said he earlier in the year that he, this was the best fit for the Miami Dolphins defense. So there's a lot of routes they could go. I would not even be opposed, and I know we want to talk about having this influx of draft picks and all these picks and making them and coming away with three picks. If you can trade up, and I think it was reported again by Matt Miller, Blue Tree Report, said the Dolphins were going to trade up for an offensive tackle, and this was a month ago. They get two, and then they trade up for an offensive tackle. What if they packaged 18 and 26 or 18 and whatever it is, and they move up and get Jedrick Wills, and that to me is probably the best offensive tackle in this draft. Personally, I know some other people like Andrew Thomas, others like Becton, Wirfs, whoever it might be. There's four good offensive tackles or great offensive tackles prospects in this class, and the Dolphins, in my opinion, need to come away with them. And I think if you can get the guy that protected to his blindside in college, that to me would be the absolute perfect start to the NFL draft. So to me. That is my perfect scenario, but I'm not going to be mad to take DeAndre Swift. I mean, we're fantasy football players here. We're all going to be fighting over DeAndre Swift in fantasy leagues because he's going to bring that excitement. But running backs are a dime a dozen, as hard as that is to say. In today's NFL, they, it, it really is. And in this draft class, there's just a ton of talent that's going to be there. Absolutely at pick 39 and maybe even you know when they pick again in the second round, maybe even in the third round, like he mentioned. So lots of options. I'm taking it away that the Dolphins are going to come away with an offensive tackle, and after that, it's a coin flip. But you get two at five, or you trade up a little bit and have to take him from there. You protect him, and that's a great start to the 2020 NFL draft. Now, Matt, you know you mentioned it earlier. We've known each other for about seven years at this point, and for as much as you like getting into the the, the grit and grind of, of talking with the sources and, and figuring out all this information, I mean. Deep down at your core, there is a really diehard fan, first and foremost. And I, I just want to ask you this, with, with the, those blinds on, with those uh, dolphin-colored shades on, would you be disappointed if the Dolphins watch those four drafts or those four tackles go when you see such a, a, a solid group where, where you look around the NFL and how important it is to have you know a left tackle if you have a lefty quarterback, a right tackle? Would you be upset if they walk out of that first round without one of those four great, great offensive tackles? The, again, the take away any sourcing. You as just a fan, <laughs> with what you want, do you need a, a tackle there at 18 or if it is to move up and grab one of them? First of all, the sourcing is stressful as all hell, right? I, don't, <laughs> I like it. I like knowing the information, but I hate it at the same time because you start hearing all these different things and you start trying to piece it all together. You don't know who has an agenda. You don't know what's going on. Um, so I hate it, but I love it at the same time. It's a very dark black hole that I wish the, no one voluntarily goes down uh, if that makes any kind of sense. And, and you're right, uh, Jake. We have watched many uh, drafts together, right? We watched it at Buffalo Wild Wings. We watched it at some Miami Dolphins bar out in Hartford, Connecticut one year. Uh, that was weird because there was like five people there and three of them were us. Uh, and they closed early too. I think after the Dolph, they closed after the Dolphins pick, which was even weirder. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, deep down, I'm a Dolphins fan, right? And running PFN 365, running that has kind of taken the fan away from me a little bit because now I'm focusing on all 32 teams. And really, people ask me, well, why do you why are you breaking the Dolphins news? Why are you giving information out? And because it comes true, right? And they're like, well, you're giving away their plans. Well, okay, the Dolphins don't sign my paycheck, so. 
they can hire me. I'll gladly go work for them. But until then, I am going to report what I know because that's how I'm going to make my money uh, in, in the long term. Uh, but going back to your point, right? I don't think so because I think I, I love Tristan Wirfs. I don't know if I project him to a left tackle in the NFL. I love Andrew Thomas. He is the best pure left tackle. I don't think the Dolphins have a realistic shot at him unless they take him at five. I think he will definitely get scooped up by then. Jedrick Wills, there are concerns about his uh, mental capacity to understand the blocking schemes, to understand the complex uh, zone schemes and all that other stuff that goes along with being a tackle in the NFL. There, there are concerns about his willingness and his ability to pick that up, right? So if the Dolphins take Wills or trade up for Wills, it's eh, we got to see how it plays out. And then at Mackay Becton, right? There are concerns about him off the field as well to, to be truly committed to football and to really just take it seriously. So there's really no clean left tackle prospect in the first round except Andrew Thomas. Tristan Wirfs is a monster. He played a little left tackle uh, after his junior season, I believe it was, at Iowa. But he's not a pure left tackle, so it's going to be a little bit of a transition. So, no, I wouldn't be upset at all. If the Dolphins come out with two, if they come out with DeAndre Swift and then maybe an Ezra Cleveland or a uh, Isaiah Wilson, I think that's a great first round. If they add an Epineza, and then a DeAndre Swift, I think I'll be even happier than I pick up a Niang in the second round as, long, as well as a safety. I think the Dolphins, I don't see how the Dolphins can mess this draft up, at least in the first two days. Saying that, they'll probably mess this draft up. Now let's talk about pick number 26 because we're really honing in on to the potential of a running back, a tackle, and a defensive end. Uh, two out of the three of those, two truths and a lie, basically. But, um, you know, when, when Josh and I did the Mac draft, I think one of my favorite picks was we took a center at 26. Um, I, I don't Caesar know. Ruiz. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So so what are you hearing on that front at 26? Is that kind of a possibility? Because when, you know, I, I saw what we did in our, our mock draft with the quarterback, the left tackle, and the center. And, you know, my dumb brain instantly went, and, oh, in four years, we're going to have to break the bank because we're going to have these four studs who are going to come in solidify the offense through and through that we're going to have to pay. Um, is there any chance of that? Or are there any curveballs that could come with that 26 pick? What's the idea happening there? I'd be surprised if there were any curveballs at that 26 pick. I'm still hearing offensive line. Again, Ezra Cleveland, a, um, I totally forgot his name, Isaiah Wilson. And uh, Cesar Ruiz, I think, might be in play. I, I think he might slip out around one. I think the Dolphins maybe try to trade down at that point if their target was Ruiz. But uh, I'd be surprised if it was anything crazy out of the box, unless you got a guy falling, right? Unless you got a chase on falling, but he'll probably go to the Cowboys. I don't think the Dolphins will target wide receiver there again unless someone falls. Uh, so it looks like at this point it's going to be offensive tackle, running back, or pass rusher there at 26. The, the draft, the positions in this draft should not be much of a surprise to anybody. Again, it's figuring out who the Dolphins like a lot and, and who they you know grade more compared to the others and higher than the others. And I think that will be the more interesting part, not necessarily the positions. I think we all know who the Dolphins need to target in this draft. Now, are there any concerns? I'll open this up to you uh, because, you know, there, there's the debate of, you know, do you, do you take the your need or the best available player? And I think with what the Dolphins, where they're located, they're, they're going to be able to do a lot of the both, a lot of both. But is there a situation where, where you feel strongly that the Dolphins should go best player available? Is there somebody that's really sticking out, whether it's the first or second round? Again, this is a really broad question, but but is there yeah. any opportunity where, hey, you know, this isn't necessarily a need, 
But this player is someone where the Dolphins are a 5-11 and team, and that's on a good day. On a bad day, they lose 59 to nothing to the Ravens, 10, whatever, something like that. So, I mean, this team needs a lot more than those, you know, key needs. What are we – how are we feeling in, in that sense where, okay, maybe we miss out on an edge rusher in this draft, which, you know, I'm kind of open to. When I look at our secondary, what's happening there, what, what we can do with the outside linebackers on this team, I hear this isn't the strongest, strongest – draft when it comes to edge rushers even the defensive line as a whole so that might be a position I might want to ignore a little bit instead of you know when you mentioned both of those defensive ends at 18 Matt you even were like eh, you know these guys might be here and if they take one I'm happy but but I sense that little bit of sure we'll do it and you know what we did last time we did that for Char- or, uh, Charles Harris so I mean that, that, that there's a little bit of fear in that for me at least I, I'd like to know how you guys feel yeah I think I think Josh can answer this too but I'll I'm a big fan of BPA. It's only one injury away from, um, you know, getting getting hurt and going down that depth chart. And in the NFL, it's really not a matter of when you're going to get hurt. It's a matter of, I'm sorry, it's not a matter of if you're going to get hurt. It's a matter of when you're going to get hurt. And to have that depth, I think, is invaluable. So I'm always BPA all the time unless it's quarterback. Obviously, you can't have, you know, multiple first-round, second-round quarterbacks on your roster. But everything else, I think, is fair game. Yeah, I completely agree, and I do think you made a great point with the uh, edge rushers and defensive line depth. I do think that if a guy like maybe Udegras Matos or, as I said earlier, Cameron Wolf's uh, mock draft had A.J. Epinesa fall into their lap, so I think maybe a player there. I know you kind of convinced me that the Dolphins could go wide receiver in this draft. I think that Matt brought up a good point. We're literally a injury away from, you know, if Devontae Parker doesn't replicate that 2019 season and Preston Williams doesn't get healthy, you know, they're, they're away from, what, Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford again, maybe Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. So I think in this draft class, yes, there's a, a great group of wide receivers, but if one of those guys falls into their lap at 26, they might be, you know, hell-bent or inclined to go and get them. So I think they could go a number of different routes. I think they definitely need to continue to upgrade the offensive line. We mentioned Ted Karras on the last podcast, and that's why he went Cesar Ruiz. So there's many, uh, many different routes they can go, and we didn't even talk about safeties, and that's kind of a position where if an Xavier McKinney falls, we know they probably have interest in Ashton Davis because of Gerald Alexander being in town. We know Brian Flores loved Antonio Winfield, uh, the junior's father, so everyone's kind of connecting the dots there, and we know that Antonio Winfield has that skill set that would be great for Brian Flores' defense. So I think that's kind of the route they're going to go. I mean, at that point, you go best player available. So say you get an offensive tackle at 18, then you're at sitting at 26, and a running back is is one of your needs, a safety, maybe you go pass rusher, you need a defensive tackle at some point, or you can continue to build that offensive line. And at that point, I think that's when you look at your your draft chart and you say, okay, well, DeAndre Swift's there, and he's our, our RB1, or we can take a offensive lineman, a center, and he's you know the 40th-ranked player, or whatever it might be. That's when you bring in your, your draft chart and you go best player available, but – I think those are the needs, and I think that's the way they're going to let it play out. But you cannot pass up good value. And as Kanata said, as you both have said, it's, you're literally one injury away from catastrophe. So I think they'll go best player available at a certain point. But, I mean, time will tell. Matt, and I want to talk to you about this because Josh and I have talked about this a bit. And, and I think one of the most interesting positions the Miami Dolphins have is the wide receiver group. Because Devontae Parker coming best off the best year of his career, he finally put it together for a whole year. But again, it was only one whole year. There's more opportunities for him to, 
you know, really start to grow and develop. But at the same time, you mentioned one injury away. Preston Williams, he had an outstanding rookie season before he got hurt. But then he was only a rookie. The average NFL lifespan is three and a half years. We can't guarantee that he's going to come back and be the same guy. I'm not trying to doubt him. I'm not trying to do anything like that. It's just the way it is. Albert Wilson, another guy who struggled with injuries. Jakeem Grant, the same. What do we do about this wide receiver core where on paper it looks fantastic? You're excited about the growth of Williams and Isaiah Ford and Jakeem Grant really finally putting it together and hopefully he's done dropping balls. But at the same time, I mean, in all fairness, every guy in that group except for one being Parker can be off the team as early as 2021 if everything hits the pan. And, and that's not the craziest outcome I've seen, especially for the Miami Dolphins. I think this wide receiver class is extremely deep. But you got to find that balance of, you know, going BPA, going need, and, and messing up your locker room, right? You take a receiver in the first round. You take a Denzel Mims. You take a Ruggs if he falls, which he probably won't. You take a um, Justin Jefferson in the first round. Then it kind of messes up the locker room a bit because you got Devontae. You got Preston. You got Albert Wilson. Then all of a sudden they start talking and the media starts talking. Okay, who's going to get moved? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And you have Devontae Parker coming off a really nice season, and then you might mess his confidence up. You might mess up Preston's confidence. Albert Wilson recovering from his injury, you might mess up his confidence. And then you said, you got Jakeem Grant there as well. So it's that balance. But at the same time, it's a business, and you got to make your team better. But again, are you going to pass up on an offensive tackle at 26 for a wide receiver? Are you going to pass up on a DeAndre Swift at 18 or 26 for a wide receiver? You know, these are the decisions that get a little sticky sometimes. Times, right if you go just by need it becomes very easy for the general manager to pick who they want and to get that on the list there's really not much debate because you know okay i'm targeting an offensive tackle with the 18 and 26 pick we'll see what our best players are on the board it's either going to be an ot or a de or a running back boom but when you open your eyes up to bpa then everybody gets on the table including cornerbacks including linebackers and everyone else and then it just makes it a lot harder to decide but it also makes your franchise better. So, you know, sitting here in my basement in Connecticut at 1047 at night while I'm updating Tony Pauline's ranking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> while I'm updating Tony Pauline's draft rankings for PFN while doing his podcast, I say BPA all day, every day. But I'm not in that room. I don't know these personalities of every player. We see them for not even really truly 60 minutes each and every week. Uh, during the NFL season. We don't see them at practice. We don't see them in the locker room. And so for us to make evaluations based off their character, based off their work ethic is unfair to them. So, you know, it's really all about what our front office knows. It's fans. And, you know, Greer has been here for a while. And we've seen a lot of stuff go down, not the right way. But you got to trust that with Flores in place, who is an amazing, amazing scout and has a great eye and, you know, with his scouting background, it makes him a great head coach. You got Marvin Allen, who's well-respected. You got Reggie McKenzie, who's well-respected. You just got to put your faith in them. They're doing this thing the right way. And I, and I feel like all these people in the room together, but especially Brian Flores, I, I think we're going to see a really nice draft in the next few days. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt about receiver, where I, I don't think there's any way you can spend a, a first-round pick. I was looking more at those, you know, second, third-round picks. You know, I, I believe... Uh, they have two fourth rounds, uh, maybe maybe just one or, or fifth. Just someone who can kind of come in and, and be that little bit of, you know, surprise us a little bit in camp type of thing. Um, you know, yeah, go- so mid-round picks I'm all for. That's not going to mess up your locker room. 
Agreed. Agreed. Because nobody's going to feel threatened and it's, right. it's nothing against the rookie. It's just, you know, the, the pathway for a fifth round to, you know, get those reps is a lot harder than a, the pathway for a first rounder. Um, we've been ranting and raving for a while. Um, I don't know what our schedule is going to be. I'd love for us to get a pot out uh, tomorrow after round one and, and talk a little bit about that in round two. But but you both are incredibly busy. The first round, a couple of hiccups, and all of a sudden we're looking and it's one in the morning, that type of thing. So <laughs> so I do want to touch on this quick. What do you guys what are you guys looking for out of day two of the draft? Because while those three first round picks are so exciting and those are going to be the the pieces that really change the direction of this franchise. If you don't hit, on, if you hit on those three, and you don't hit on any other pick in those second and third rounds, and even later in that, the draft might not necessarily be a success. So, so what do we see? What do we feel? What do we most importantly want when we're starting to look at day two and day three of the NFL draft? Specifically, we'll we'll kind of focus on day two here because uh, you know date after that it kind of is throwing darts at the board, and and we don't know what the board even looks like yet. For me, it all depends on, you know, what, what talent falls. And I think as cliche as that might sound, you know, heading into day two, there's going to be a lot of first-round talents there that a lot of these mock drafts, experts, and analysts believe we're going to go round one that just fall into your lap. And we know the Dolphins have six total picks in the top 70. We talked about on the last podcast, there's a huge gap between pick 70 and 141. So I think they're going to end up trading up in day two. They're going to probably make sure they can hit on some of those players that fall into their lap. And I think – it's it's hard to sit here and discuss specific players or, or fits or positions because we don't know what they're going to address in round one. But to me, I think the running back class, as good as it is, that's a day two thing. I think if you want another center or more depth on the offensive line, that's probably a day two thing. And if you're going wide receiver, that's probably a day two thing. So it, it's hard to sit here and say, but to me, it, and as cliche as it sounds, Whatever players fall to that round one that people were expecting or you're very high on and the Dolphins have up on that board well up there, you know, and we see it every year. Whoever has that first pick in the second round, that thing's that thing's worth a ton of money because someone wants to jump up there for either a quarterback or a player that absolutely for some reason just fell out of round one. So uh, it's hard to say without seeing the way things play out, but I do think we got to give credit to Chris Greer. We don't know how much impact he's had in previous drafts. But the Dolphins have been pretty solid at drafting and finding players in those mid-rounds that have that have stuck around. I mean, Bobby McCain, Devon Godchild, there's a couple players that you can sit here and list. I know Raekwon McMillan was a day-two pick. So there's a bunch of players that are currently on the roster having success that were found in those middle rounds. So this is where teams are truly won and lost, in my opinion. And we know the Dolphins have been great at you know scouring different teams and picking up acorns, as Jeff Ireland used to say. Nobody warrants more competition than Brian Flores or brings these guys in that are low-risk, high-rewards and giving them a chance to compete. So it's going to be exciting because all it takes is one of those guys to have the right mentality to fit the right scheme. And, you know, you have another Preston Williams. And we know he suffered that injury. But before that, I mean, heading into the season, everyone was hyping him up. And he did exactly what many people expected. So you hope to hit on these these middle guys because that's going to make your roster a heck of a lot better. But to me, it all depends how that first round plays out. You go for areas that you need. You find those best players that fall into your lap and some of those guys that may have went in round one. And that, to me, is how you have a successful draft day. Yeah, and, and to me, running back and safety, you feel like two of those positions that you can start to snag in the second round. Matt, we'll wrap it up with this. I think this will be a good way to end it. Uh, with that, hearing what, what Josh just said and how you feel yourself, along with... A question I do want to add. Uh, 
do the, how are the Dolphins going to keep the wheels churning for this thing? Because we saw them move, move back and, and have that second round pick from the Saints kind of just drop onto their lap where it was kind of like, a wow, this is, here's a second round pick. How exciting is, is that? And when pe- teams start trading around picks from the, the, the previous or the, the following year, excuse me, you start to get really good value. Are, are the Dolphins really looking to keep this thing moving in terms of have, you know, 10 to 14 picks in every draft. I know there's two first round picks next year. The Dolphins might hit a bunch of home runs and be able to move down then, but but are they looking to really keep stretching this thing out? And what are your thoughts in terms of day two? Yeah, why not? I think it makes total sense to uh, stretch it out as much as possible. There are some good prospects in the 2021 NFL draft class. you got a Trevor Lawrence, you got a Justin Fields. Not saying that the Dolphins are going to necessarily attack those guys, but I think you need to give yourself some room to maneuver any way that you possibly can. And if their guys are not there in the second and third round, that's a sweet spot to start getting picks, like you said, for the next year of the draft. So I would look for the Dolphins to do that and to continue to stockpile their picks. Remember, they got their first round, the Texans' first round. They got their second round, the Texans' second round. And the more that they can do this every single year, they're just the better off and the more in control they are going to be for the draft. Josh, I, I want you to start with this. Um, throw out your first three picks going tomorrow night. Give, give me who the Dolphins are taking. Uh, no no reasons why. Give me three names. Final answer. Okay, Tua Tonga Vailoa, Josh Jones, Ashton Davis. Huh. Matthew Kanata for you. Tua Tonga Vailoa, DeAndre Swift, and Isaiah Wilson. I'm going to go with Joshua House, Matthew Kanata, and good friend of the show, <laughs> Cooper Final answer. Beautiful. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Breathe. The NFL draft is here. We're excited for it. Take in, soak up every second, because like I said after this, there is a long, long stretch before summer camps really get going, and, and we start to get news on a consistent basis. Before we get those Instagram videos every day of – of Devontae Parker and Preston Williams bossing people. Remember, follow us all on Twitter, jmendel94, at house, whatever Matt said at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I forget that. What was it? Cannot a PFN. Cannot a PFN. Simple as that. I, I think I will remember that for now. I will have it tattooed on my head. Please rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff helps us out so much. And most importantly, like I said, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us because football is a community. It's corny, I know, but it's the truth. And this hour has been a blast. So thank you both for joining me here. You got it, man. Do a time of Iloa no matter what. Fins up. Fins up. <laughs> that was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number Team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're-
Number one.